church? Welcome to Southern California. It's just been so good to be here. Um, man, we, uh, we are excited to praise Jesus uh, this morning together. Our only hope in life and in death is Jesus. Uh, we are excited. We're kind of wrapping things up from this series uh, this morning. Uh, if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Acts 29? Now, when you get your finger on verse 1 of chapter 29, I want you to raise your hand and let me know that you're there, right? That you've got your... So who is just looking for the liars out there, all right? There is no Acts 29. Now, in, in, lest you think, oh boy, Justin's adding to the Bible, right? That's her, her, heresy, right? No jot nor tittle should be added to this thing. Uh, why are we calling this message a chapter that doesn't exist in the Bible? Great question. I'll get to that. First, a Disney movie, because that's how I roll. Um, so anybody here grow up on Hercules? All right. Weird thing. Okay, the best one. Liar. Rebuke you in the name of Little Mermaid. All right. So no, we, I, I was a little too old for Hercules, but I grew to love it as I got older. And um, so a, a little background. So Zeus, who's the god of gods on Mount Olympus, has thrown out the rebel gods uh, called the Titans. And Hades is the ruler uh, uh, in, in the underworld of these uh, forsaken gods. Hades makes these ambitious plans to overthrow Zeus and to claim the throne for himself. Uh, but he learns from the fates that, that Zeus's son Hercules, here he is, that adorable little demigod, uh, he must be killed in order to overthrow Zeus. And so uh, Hades gets him to earth, but fails to make him fully mortal and therefore to be able to kill him. And, and as Hercules grows up on earth, he discovers, man, uh, that he is the son of the true God. And in order to ascend back to Mount Olympus with his father, he must be willing to lay his life down for the love of his life, his future bride, Meg. And by that willingness, he's able to defeat Hades and ascend back to Mount Olympus. Now, that's Greek mythology. That's not true. But can you not hear the echoes of the true story in that? That we, we have Jesus, the true Son of God, who did defeat Hades through the offering of his own life for his bride and has ascended back to heaven as the true King of Kings. Now, imagine for a moment uh, being young Hercules. That's easier for some of us than, than others, right? But, uh, you know, whatever. Got my tan. I just wanted to show you guys how beautiful the weekend's been. Uh, so anyway, uh, sorry, I'll... My wife will have words for me later. Uh, has, uh, he, has, he, he kind of grows up realizing he's out of place. Like he can lift up like temples with one hand. He can do all these things. Like maybe I'm not normal. Maybe I don't fit in here. Maybe I'm actually made for something beyond this, for some place beyond this. And his life only starts to make sense as he discovers his birth story where he comes from, what his true identity is. And in order for him to be able to live on mission, Hercules had to discover who he was in light of who his father really was. And have you ever had that kind of Hercules-type moment where you've felt out of place, that you've, you feel like there's got to be more uh, than this, right? Where's the place that, that, that you really belong? Uh, it can't just be nine to fives, right? It, it's got, life has got to be more than, than, than the day-to-day -day grind at work and living for vacations and retirement and getting on Facebook in my downtime. Like, there's got to be more, right? 
And what we find is just like Hercules, like we're never going to be able to be birds released from our cage until we discover who we really are and what our purpose really is. And so we've got to, like Hercules, learn our backstory. But the good news is that God has written us a love letter that told us just who we really are in light of who he is. And this is why we've been studying the book of Acts. The book of Acts is uniquely important to us today, and this is why we've been studying it for these last five months. Um, a good question when you're studying a passage or the book of the, a book of the Bible is to say, what would happen if this book was torn out of our Bibles? If, if we didn't have the truths that are in this particular book, what would we lose? Uh, or to say it positively, um, like, what does this book uniquely tell us about who God is, who we are, and what about reality that we are living in? Well, the book of Acts, in particular, tells us the, the birth story of the church. It tells us the, the church's first few baby steps out into the world. And if you take out the book of Acts, we don't have this birth story in our Bibles. It's unique in this way. And so for us, it's super important to understand who we are, where we've come from as a church, so we can understand what our purpose is today and to live out that reality. As we said back in January, the author of Acts is Luke, and he wrote both the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. And we look back to those first few verses as we cracked open the book five months ago. Luke said, I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, that's the guy he wrote it to, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up after he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he had chosen. And so we see this, Luke and Acts are kind of this two-part saga of Jesus becoming king of the universe, savior of the world, and bringing the light into our darkness. And he says here that in Luke, Luke's about what Jesus began to do and teach as he planted the seed of what would become the church. And what's implied there is the book of Acts is now what Jesus would continue to do and to teach through his followers, through his body. And this is where we get to Acts 29 today. I know it's not a chapter in our Bible. The point is a tongue-in-cheek way to say we are now living the next steps in this church story here on earth. How do we continue to, to see what, what is, because Jesus is still alive, amen? Jesus is still working today, amen? And we are continuing to see what he is doing, what he is teaching today. And the wonderful, beautiful mystery is that you and I are invited into this story today to live out who we really are in light of who our Father really is and continue that next chapter. So we're going to look at two realities that were true in the book of Acts in 1 through 28 and they're true of us today with Jesus in Acts 29. A, we see the same Jesus that reigned back then still reigns today and therefore we still have hope. We still have hope. Look at three things. We're going to see that God as Father, Son, and Spirit involved in the book of Acts. Uh, number one, the God, the Father, still orchestrates. That same God, the same Father, is still orchestrating today. So if we were to imagine God as a conductor, he created the world and he filled it with humans that he desired to become his orchestra that would play the symphony that he had designed for us to play. But you know what happened on page three of the Bible. We rebelled and said, we're going to play our own tune instead of your tune. We think we have a better song than you, God. So what did God do? His plan was to choose a nation. And this nation was to play the song for the other nations that they had failed to play. But if you have read the Bible, you know what happens. Israel just starts playing the song that all the other nations are playing. That didn't throw God off. He knew that that was going to happen. And so he chose this one man, this one soloist, 
that would come out of Israel, that would sing the song that Israel and all of humanity had failed to be able to sing, to sing the song of, of the heart of the Father. Now, the Jewish orchestra, they hated this soloist. They thought, oh, you think you're better than us? So they kill him. They kill the soloist. And, and, but do you think this threw the, con- the divine conductor off? Do you think he didn't see that coming? No, this was all part of the plan. In fact, that's really what it means to orchestrate, is to arrange or direct the elements of a situation to produce a desired effect. So that's what a good conductor is doing with a band, right? They're using all the elements, all the instruments, all the skill levels to play this one beautiful song in concert. And God's doing the same thing in, in the known universe, in our world. He's using all things for his good desired effect. And this is what Peter says in the first sermon in the book of Acts. He said this in Acts 2. Though he was delivered up, Jesus was delivered up according to God's determined plan. There's that word. It means this is what the conductor is using for his good purposes, for his good song to be sung, his plan and foreknowledge. You, Israel, used lawless people to nail him to a cross and kill him. But that did not throw our God off. God raised Jesus up three days later, ending the pains of death. Hallelujah. Who looks forward to the ultimate ending of the pains of death? Because it was not possible for him, Jesus, to be held by death. Yes and amen. So the conductor used the death of the only one who was able to play the song right for his purposes. The Father's plan and acts is to fulfill his promises by creating this new community, this little orchestra that's going to bless the world with his song. This is the birth of the church. So the Christ's body, and what's so cool here is he's no longer just conducting a song through the Israel orchestra. He's now actually playing a song from every tongue, every tribe, and every nation. Our master conductor is making this international symphony on our planet today. And that's what God's up to today. He's raising up all these little bands all over the earth, little orchestras that are playing his song. That's really what we're doing here in Soldatna in 2022. Here's our little rock band, right? And we're just playing our little Jesus song here. So what is the song that we sing? Well, that points us to our next reality. If God is still orchestrating today, Jesus is still alive today. Jesus is still saving today, and Jesus still rules today. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus has ascended to his throne, and he tells his followers, Go and tell the world, I'm still alive, and I will always be king. And that's our theme verse, kind of the central verse of Acts 1.8. You'll receive power when the Spirit comes on you to be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And this is really what the rest of the book of Acts is. His followers, his witnesses, going into the world with that good news, with that Savior song, proclaiming to the world and performing to the world. So look, look at both of those. First of all, the good news is proclaimed. Now, if, if you followed the book of Acts with us this last five months, we saw there was a lot of speeches, a lot of sermons. In fact, a third of all the words in Acts are speeches and sermons. Uh, Thirteen of those come from Paul, also Peter, James, Stephen. There are many others who are, are speaking here. And this is a lot of it is just them declaring these truths. And, and really what they're doing here is obeying what Jesus has called us to do. What did Jesus tell his followers in Mark? Go into the world and preach the gospel. Sing the song. Declare the good news to all creation that I'm alive and I'm the king. Now that's, that's our job, to go proclaim the news that Jesus is alive. But then it's, it's more than just proclaiming. It's also performing performing, living this thing out. In the book of Acts, we see 20 specific miracles that are are detailed out. And then we also see nine times there's just clusters of miracles. In other words, it's just said a lot of signs and wonders were happening in that place at that time. And the important 
true to, to, to kind of extract from this is that the news that Jesus is the king, that he's alive, is not just some abstract fact that we're trying to get the world to believe is true. This is much deeper than that. G the fact that Jesus is the living king is a reality that is going to change everything. The, the, the fact that the giver of life has risen from the dead is actually putting death into reverse. It's healing what has been broken. It's reconciling what the, the, the relationships that have been estranged. And these miracles that we see in the book of Acts are actually just them performing uh, these things to verify the, the words that they're proclaiming. We see over and over in the book of Acts, word and deed patterns. They declare it and then they, they express it. So what about that for today? How, how do we live this out, this reality that Jesus is alive? You want proof that Jesus is alive and that he's the king? And if you were here with us last week, we saw amazing proof of that when our brother Evan shared his testimony with us. When he said, man, this is what Jesus has done in my life. You want to talk about a miracle, putting death into reverse. A brother who has been freed from his addictions, who's been brought back into reconciled relationship. Fears have been overcome, right? Sin has been, has been conquered. And this is really what we're called to do today, is this ragtag little band is just to sing this song of what Jesus is doing in us, is doing through us. And that verifies the reality that Jesus is no longer in the grave. But how does he do that? How, how does that actually happen today? Uh, the third point here, the third part of the Trinity is that God the Spirit is still empowering. The same Spirit in Acts is alive and well today. So I'm always really amazed at the way that a good music teacher can get really um, differently talented musicians <laughs> to, to sound good, right? So uh, everybody, uh, you know uh, the Von Trapps from Sound of Music, but remember how they started? They were awful. They literally didn't know how to sing. They're sticking frogs in Maria's pocket. Like, they are just little demon children, right? And then Maria, before you know it, they're singing and, and like, cuckoo, cuckoo, bye. Right? And like, all of a sudden, they're just like, this. now we call people like that, like the Von Trapp type people. Uh, Sister Act 2. Anybody at Sister Act? Whoopi Goldberg is a nun. So good. Somebody just clap for that. That's weird. Uh, <laughs> clap for Jesus. No, I'm just kidding. So we... So Whoopi comes into this high school, and these kids, they want nothing to do with her. Just a, just a super uh, crazy bunch of kids. And before you know it, this kid is hitting them high notes. Remember that? When Jesus, what? They just sound like this amazing choir. Actually, our girl Phoenix here was here with the K-Beach Elementary School this last year. And if Phoenix is able to make hot cross buns out of their hot cross mess, right? That is, that is proof that Jesus is alive, Amen. And so, similarly, how did God get us, this ragtag band, able to play a song that sounds anything like a song, right? That sounds like something good and on key and in tune. Because, listen, we, we saw Israel in the Old Testament fail completely to obey God to keep his law, to sing the right song. So what makes us think, why today could the church be successful where Israel was not? What? Well, there's a secret weapon that we see in, in, in Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So what, did the, what does the church have that the Old Testament Israelites did not have? 
the permanent indwelling of the very Spirit of God. See, we can't sing God's song just by some more practice. Just keep trying harder and you'll eventually get it right. We actually need it. And this is why Jesus died and rose again, to give us his life-energizing force, his very person inside of us to empower us to do the things that we could never do on our own. And this is why 60 times in the book of Acts, we, see, we hear the, the mention of the Holy Spirit. That's more than twice a chapter. The, so the Holy Spirit is mentioned. And Jesus gave us his very spirit for power, but the power to do what? Because, man, we know worldly power is not good, right? In fact, what do we say? Absolute power here in our flesh corrupts absolutely. Like, if, if, if God made me uh, as yoked as, as Hercules, which, again, wouldn't be that big of a difference, but just hypothetically, uh, or if he gave me the riches of an Elon Musk, right? Like, what would I do with that? We know our own sinful hearts would not use th th that worldly power for good. We'd use it for selfish motivations. But the Spirit's power in us, the Spirit's power manifests the Spirit's fruit, and so what's that going to look like? It's not going to be selfish. It's going to be the character of God in us. It's going to be Christ-likeness in us. What's his fruit look like? It looks like those who will love and be joyful and be peaceful and be self-controlled and be gentle and faithful. And so what does this look like lived out in Acts then and, and in Acts 29 today? Well, two things the Spirit's power gives us. A, the Spirit's power emboldens people to testify to the exalted King. You'll know it's the Spirit's power in you when it's centered around the person of Jesus. And, and in Acts 1, that's what he said. You'll receive power, right, when the Spirit comes on you, and then what will happen? You will be my witnesses. The Spirit gives you power to be able to go out and sing the Savior song to the world. In Acts 4, I love this, when, when they had prayed the place, this is the disciples, where they were assembled, was shaken, and they were all filled with the Spirit. And what happened? They started beating people up. No, no. They began to speak the word of God boldly. I don't know about you. Anybody need some more boldness to go out into the world? Like, I don't, like, don't tell anybody, but even a pastor struggles with that, okay? Is that our, this our little secret? Like, how easy, it's easy for me, to, whether it's just laziness, just like, I'm doing my own thing, right? It's a nice weekend. I'm just going to do me. Or, or maybe it's, it's, it's the, the, the fear, the subtle fears and the fear of man can be greater than the fear of God. How is that person going to respond? Like, what are they going to think of me? All those little things that would keep us from singing this song. Spirit is the one that's going to give us the power to boldly declare who Jesus is to the world around us. Then B, the Spirit's power makes people whole. And he does this. This wholeness comes by making people others-centered. So we're focused on Jesus and we're focused on others. And Jesus' witnesses in, in, in the book of Acts, they live this out and they declare this, that it is better, it is better to live a life of selflessness, of sacrificial serving of people around them. Uh, Paul, in, in my favorite speech in Acts, probably, Acts 20, he's talking to the Ephesian elders, his farewell that Ross preached on. Uh, he says in verse 35, remember the words of the Lord Jesus, because he said, it is more blessed to give than receive. Can you imagine how I think about how different my life would be? If I believed that, like if I believed that it was actually better, that there was more joy and not focusing on Justin and Justin's needs, but focusing on the needs of my family, of my, my church family, of my community, of putting their needs first. And this is what the church in Acts lives out. 
They give to one another as they're in need. They, they spend their lives suffering, right? Being persecuted to take the message to the lost and then to love the found. And man, don't we need that in 2022 and Acts 29 just as much? Like you and I, born into the world, born self-centered, not, not others-centered, not Jesus-centered. We are not going to have to teach our little two-month-old as she grows up. Now, Lucy, remember, it's mine, right? And to say no when we tell you to do things, right? Like, that she's going to be a natural sinner, right? And uh, that we, our, our, here's what happens. Our culture screams, and you do you. You play your own solo and play it loud. Shred like this guy, right? Look at me. Uh, we want to showcase ourselves on social media, right? We, we want to indulge our desires. We are naturally centered around ourselves. But what we see in the book of Acts that we are called to live out today is that it is actually better, and the Spirit gives us the power to do this, to live a life that considers the needs of the people around us before our own, to proverbially wash the feet of, of our neighbor, of the people around us. I said in the first service, that might be the weirdest slide I've ever put up before. Uh, so that's, that's there. Let's get off of it. So the same Jesus, the same Jesus that reigned in Acts, reigns today in Acts 29, that the Father is still orchestrating all things to bring all things under the rule of the risen Jesus by the power of his Spirit. But we also see in Acts that the same Jesus still rescues, that that, that mission is still existing today. God is continuing to do his work through Jesus and his people. Two things. First of all, he's still forming his church. Jesus is still forming his church. So how does Jesus establish his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven as he prays? What's his plan? What's the mission look like? As we read the book of Acts, how does he send his people out? And what we see he doesn't do is send them out like some spiritual SWAT team. They don't go out and and take on the Roman government through guns or swords and power and shields. We also see he doesn't just send his, his army of angels from heaven like some angelic Marvel super team. Here's another, probably the second weirdest slide I've ever put up on there on the screen together. So he doesn't do that, right? Now, honestly... As we read the book of Acts, his plan is pretty crazy. And in fact, from a worldly perspective, I would even call it foolish. What, how does the mission spread in the book of Acts? Well, look at Acts chapter 2. This is how the gospel advances into the world. They, Jesus' followers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. How does the mission advance? It's not through military might. It's not through angelic forces. It is through the people of God loving each other. It's simply having meals together and taking care of each other when you're in need and hurting. And, and it, it's, it's enjoying God, learning together, praising him together. And look what happens. In this really weird approach to the mission, what's the last sentence there? Daily, people were being added to the church family. The mission is being accomplished so how does this work as, as, as the church just plays this song together as his little band? Well, John, in John 17, Jesus prayed, Father, they will know, the world will know that you sent me here, 
That the world will know that you love them by the unity of my followers, by the love that my followers have for one another. And so here's the reality. The mission starts by us loving Jesus and loving each other as his people. We've got to show the world his love. Because here's the truth. We cannot give away what we don't possess. We can't give away what we don't possess. So if we're not showing love, if we're not loving Jesus and each other, what are we offering the world, right? What, what song are we even singing? The mission's going to flow out of that love. In fact, my favorite uh, sentence in our, in our vision statement for these next 10 years is this. The way we're going to take the gospel wide into our community the way, we're, and we're called to, right? We're called to go to those who don't know Jesus in Nikiski and Kasilov and Soldatna and Kenai and K Beach Road. How do we do that? We take the gospel wide into our community. How? By taking it deep right here within our church family. Those two things actually are interdependent on one another. We don't become a clique that ignores the outside world, but we also don't just scatter. We got to show the world this love, and we show it by the way that we love one another. But here's the hard part. Our church family is full of recovering sinners, right? People who are hard to love. We are a band full of Yoko Onos that are trying to break this band apart, right? We're facing all sorts of potential disbanders, and this is the same thing that they were facing in the early church. The same exact, all these kind of these challenges they faced. In the book of Acts, we see spiritual challenges where Satan and his cronies are trying to press up against what God is doing through his church. We see political pushback from both the Jews and the Romans. But then inwardly, we see all sorts of challenges that ethnically, the Jews are having to decide, are they going to accept and love their new Gentile siblings who they have for millennia considered as dirty and outsiders? And then theologically, their beliefs in Acts 15, we see the Jews trying to say, some of the Jews saying, no, you've got to actually become a, a Jew to be saved, Gentiles. You've got to be circumcised. You've got to keep the law of Moses. We also see social struggles. One of the things I love about the book of Acts is almost always the first people that come to know Jesus in the new regions are the last people you'd imagine would. It's the leper, it's the poor, it's the eunuch, it's the despised women of the area showing that the gospel is for everybody. And despite it all, at the end of Acts, what do we see? Jesus is still forming his church. So to kind of make this practical, as we are a band, as we are an orchestra together, we've got to be in tune. So who is somebody you're out of tune with this week? Somebody, maybe it's a spiritual sibling here at the church or, or outside of our church, brother or sister in Christ, that you're struggling to love. Maybe it's somebody on the other uh, 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 side of the aisle politically. They don't vote the same way you do. Maybe socially, you have a hard time getting along with their personality. Maybe it's a theological difference, like a way to practice your faith. Because listen, here's what's at stake, guys. If we don't love each other, and by that I mean love each other not just where it's easy, but where it's difficult, we're going to lose our witness to the world. How many of us have heard people say, Man, I, there's no way I'm going to darken the door of a church. I've been burned by the church in my past, or I see the hypocrisy of the church, the way I see the church behave toward each other, toward our world. And sadly, a lot of times that's accurate. Like that we're not singing a song that's any better than the world's. We're not showing the love of God in the way we treat each other. Our message has got to match our lifestyle. 
If we're going to say that Jesus loves you and he died for you, but then that doesn't match up with our words, that is hypocrisy. We've got to take the gospel wide out there by taking it deep in our own walk with Jesus as his family. So maybe the call, a practical way to be on mission this week is who's the Lord calling you to forgive this week? Who's he calling you to reconcile with? Who's the difficult person in your life to love that he wants you to be patient with and kind toward and serve? That's how we're going to sing the better song to the world. And then we do that proactively. That's why we gather together as a church and sing together praises to Jesus. That's why we eat meals together and enjoy one another. That's why we we learn about God's truth together. That's, That's why we serve one another as we are in need. And the fact that we can all get together and we, how different we are on the spectrum politically, theologically, socially, the fact that we can all get together and not just kill each other every time we gather together, you, that's evidence that Jesus is alive, right? That's a miracle. And the Holy Spirit's giving us power to be able to welcome people that normally we would never welcome on our own. We can only love our enemy in the power of Christ. And despite all the sin within and the the opposition from without, the end of Acts, the last verses we saw last week, is the gospel continues today to go out unhindered. That's the power of God. He's still forming his church. And the last thing, he is still sending his witnesses to the end of the earth. So he's forming his church, and then he's sending those witnesses in the church out to the ends of the earth. So if that is our origin story, where we come from, what's our purpose today? How do we live this out today in Acts 29? Well, Paul sums it up, maybe my favorite verse of the whole book, and that same speech that he gave to the Ephesian elders, saying goodbye. He said, but I consider my life of no value to myself. My purpose is to finish my course in the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus to testify, to sing the song of the good grace of God. As we become a healthy church, this is what's going to happen. We're going to start giving away what we possess. We're going to start to testify to the grace of God. We're going to start to sing that better song. How do we do that? Well, we've called this series Witnesses of His Resurrection. And that's what the book of Acts is, is really all about. Those who had personally witnessed the risen Jesus and going out and telling the world, Jesus is alive. He's the King. He's the Savior. But it wasn't just a witness like what we think of today, like a witness of a car crash that saw it and is going to say, I saw what happened. This is more than them just seeing that Jesus was alive and eating fish and kind of walking around. They are, the story they're sharing is the personal encounter with Jesus that they've had, the way Jesus has forever changed their lives. Because you might say for us today, well, we weren't there, right? We didn't see the physical Jesus alive and walking around. So how can we be witnesses of his resurrection? Well, we too have had our own personal encounters with the living Jesus. Jesus has changed our lives and we're just simply telling the world about it. Again, that's what Evan was doing last week. He was singing the song. Here's what God did in my life. Here are the things that he saved me from, out of the bondage and addiction, and here's what he saved me to. I have a better, healthier relationship with my wife than I ever have, and with my children, and with my church family. I have a, 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 a burden that's been lifted that I'd never had lifted before. And where he's just singing the song, not what he's done, what his Savior's done in and through him. That's what we're called to do. Go out and share our story with the world. Here's what Jesus has done in and through and is doing through me. Where do we go? Where do we go with this song? When we go wherever people have yet to join the band. And that's everywhere. We got job security as disciples, right? 
whether it's across the street here at Kay Beach or across around the world where the gospel's never been before. This, this ripple of Acts 1-8 to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, it continues to ripple out today. Now, now you might say, well, certainly, like we've gotten the, the word out by now, right? I mean, Acts was 2,000 years ago. God has given us two millennia. Certainly the mission's accomplished. Everybody's had a chance to hear, right? Well, the Joshua Project, it's a website that kind of helps us know where we're at in, in, in some aspects of this mission. It says that today, so there in the bottom left, you see there are about 17, over 17,000 people groups. So that's not just like countries. Those are distinct groups of people, whether they're marked by language, ethnicity, um, you know, geography, whatever. That out of those 17,000 groups, there are still 7,000 of those groups that are unreached or least reached. And how the Joshua Project would define that is that people, indigenous people of that group, either there are no believers or there are so few believers, like below a certain percentage, that without outside help, uh, they don't see the gospel flourishing in that area. Over 7,000 people groups today that would still fit that category. There is work to be done, brothers and sisters more people to play Jesus' song for. So how do we do that? How do we live that out specifically? Because our church isn't going to save the whole world. So what's our part in that? Well, one thing we do is we, we, we partner with missionaries who are going, whether it's across the street, like right here, Solid Rock Bible Camp, about to get their summer going, singing the song out at camp, or Love, Inc., serving our neighbors in need through the local church, Arctic Barnabas going into Alaska. We have sisters who are in New Zealand, brothers and sisters in Sudan right now that we're partnering with uh, to take that gospel, to sing that song. What about each of us? Because here's the reality. Like, all of us are called to go out on this mission. So one of the things we like to talk about here at the church is to pray for your three. If each of us, imagine if each of us had three people in our lives that we knew that don't know Jesus, that aren't singing his song, and we prayed for them, prayed for them every single day that they would come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, and then say, Lord, how would you have me sing that song to them, in the way that I live before them and the words that I speak to them? Let's each walk in that. We pray for our three and challenge you into taking that, taking that on. But then we also believe, man, we're not just saving soloists. Remember, we need to be a healthy band that's playing music together. So we're not just going out in the world to make disciples. We want to see healthy churches, contexts. We're not raising orphans. We're raising new families. And so one of the ways we do that, we, we've looked at the next 10 years and how are we going to carry this out as a church? And we want to step into more intentionally into planting churches here in our area, in, in, across Alaska, and to the ends of the earth. Now, we're just kind of a half year into that 10-year vision. So what are we doing? How are we taking some baby steps into that direction? Three things. Uh, number one, we're learning. So we've never done this before. In the 40 years of our church, we've never reproduced ourselves. So what does it look like to be a part of church planting? Well, we're just going to learn. We're not going to arrogantly say we're going to figure this out on our own. There are people who are church planting today, have, have done that. So how do we learn? Well, this last Wednesday, we had a representative from a, a network called Acts 29, fittingly enough, right, for today. And we met with them, and it's a network that assists, kind of comes in and helps churches become church planning churches, helps raise up and send out church planners. And we're just praying, Lord, would potentially, would we partner with Acts 29 or at least learn from them as we step in this direction? Second thing we're going to do is give. Like, we've got to put our money where our mouth is, what we value. So right now, 10% of our money, uh, that, that every, 10% of everything that comes in here to the church goes toward uh, our mission efforts, supporting our current missionaries and special projects that we do, the 13 missionaries that we support. But we want to, we've been praying about, Lord, we want to double that over the next four years. 
But we want, we want to give away 20% of, of what's coming into our local body. And so our plan is every year for the next four years, uh, we're going to be adding 2.5% of what comes into the church to that budget. And we want to have this, this second 10% that we're putting aside to specifically go toward these church planting efforts. We want to put uh, that into uh, to, to God's kingdom use. Then the third thing is we want to train. Because guys, we, we're all disciples. This is not just the job of, of the elders of the church or a few that feel called. All of us are disciple-making disciples. The question is just, how does that look like for each of us? Acts, or Ephesians 4 says that the job of the church leaders is not to do the work of the ministry. It's to equip the saints to do the, the work of the ministry. Like we're all called to go out. So what does that look like? How do we take some practical steps into that? Well, I'm really excited. This fall, we're, we're launching a new training track uh, for apprentices to say, how do we take seriously uh, raising up uh, leaders within our church and, and giving them away? So future elders or people who could teach the Bible or small group leaders or honestly just healthy disciples. And wherever you're working, wherever you're living, wherever you're at, like what does that look like? So we're stepping into this apprentice track, to to and then we're going to raise people up to eventually be able to give them away, to send church planners and, and future disciple makers into our local area, into the state of Alaska, and into some of those 7,000 groups of people who have still yet to hear the name of Jesus. We've got to take the call seriously. This is, this is the mission. This is why we're here. This is why we were born. So how do we do this? How do we continue the journey? Well, we sing the better song. We sing that better song this morning. And we believe that Jesus is still forming his church. He's still sending out witnesses. That God is still orchestrating all things for his purposes. That Jesus is still alive. He's still the king. He still saves. The spirit still empowers us and sends us out into our homes, our neighborhoods, our cities, our state, our nation, and to the ends of the earth. Hercules learned who his dad really was. How are we able to play that better song? Well, it's learning who our true father in heaven is, the true home that we have now and forever in him, the true family that we're called to be a part of, the the mission that we're on, the purpose for which we live. And as we learn our birth story, it helps us stay on mission, who we really are and what we're really called to live for, how to sing that better song that the conductor is teaching us to his glory in the name of Jesus. Would you pray with me, church? Father God, we thank you. We thank you for the good work that Jesus started at the end of Luke as he rose from the dead to put death in reverse, to vanquish Satan and sin and death forever. And that now, Lord, as you're forming these little orchestras, these little bands to go out and sing this better song to the world, I pray, Lord, that we would be responsive to your spirit-empowering work in us, that maybe there's someone in this room today that needs to take that step toward another one of the the orchestra members here. Maybe they got a a bone to pick with one of the oboists, that they would just be willing to forgive or to, uh, to serve or whatever you're calling them to do to love somebody that they're having a hard time loving. Do you empower them to do that? And Lord, we'd be responsive to just continue to be your witnesses into this world. That we would pray for our coworkers and family members and neighbors that don't know Jesus, that they would come to see him as king. Lord, that we would go into the world where the gospel's never been before, that we would take seriously why we're here, who we are, and what we're called to live for. But Father, would you first and foremost stir in our hearts the love that you had for us, evidenced in the giving of your only begotten Son.
We know how deep your love is for us in that you sent him to die in our place, to sing the song that we couldn't sing. And so now, Lord, we sing back to you what you first gifted us in Jesus. We pray this in your son's beautiful name. Amen.